This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the program. Coming up in hour two, going to talk about a couple of different teams. We'll talk about the Florida Panthers with George Richards from Florida Hockey. Now also have a catch-up with Corey Massasak, who covers the San Jose Sharks for the Athletic. Yesterday, San Jose picks up their first win of the season. Great effort by Eric Carlson on the game winner. Uh, that was some old Eric Carlson. He can't do the 82 games in a row, folks. We're not going to see that Carlson anymore. But every now and then, you're going to get that brief glimpse of the greatness uh, that Eric Carlson used to be. So San Jose gets their first win. They beat the New York Rangers in overtime. Speaking of the Rangers, uh, he is a must-follow at Valley's View. He is a must-watch. He is a must-listen to. He is Steve Valakat, and he joins me now. Steve, how are you today? Feeling better about myself now, Jeff. Nice to be with you, buddy. Why? What happened? Well, Does my wife's nice car was stolen a few days ago, and uh, we were able to recover it, so that's another good thing that's happened uh, recently. But, yeah, it's been a bit of a tough week for the first week of the hockey season for the Valakev family. Jeez, everyone hanging in? Everyone okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody was in the vehicle when it was taken. Just taken from the driveway. I feel a little violated, sort of like letting in five goals in a game. It's about the same feeling. <laughs> I was going to say, like, somehow, I know you, Valley, somehow you're going to bring this around to goaltending, having a, uh, a, car, a car stolen here. How, um, what, I, you know, I was, I was having this conversation with some, we, Elliot and I did this uh, 32 Thoughts podcast tour through Southern Ontario, and, you know, um, oh, we were talking, we got on this conversation about Mike Bossy and scoring five whole goals, and remember Kelly Rudy telling me about, you know, Bossy, you know, in, in, in practice, shooting, shooting at the middle of the net, you know, psychologically wanting a puck to go through a goaltender, not around a goaltender. How much does it matter to goalies where the puck goes when it goes in, if indeed it does go in? Okay, Jeff, you're not going to believe this. When you, you had said that, I think, on 32 Thoughts once, uh, I want to say about a year and a half, two years ago, you told that story. And yeah. I, 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 I talked to Bossy quite regularly, he, especially when he was at RDS and he was working with Montreal. He would call me about goalies and breakdowns. He got really into the analytics, too. And he actually helped me mm-hmm. land the Islanders as a client. Like he, he was really engaged, and he was great to me. He was really great to me. So I asked him that story, and he told me he didn't remember it. <laughs> Oh, no way. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And uh, he was like, no, I don't think that ever happened or something like that. I was like, oh, okay, sorry, man. I just heard it on the radio. I wasn't sure, you know. But, uh, yeah, so keep, from now on, keep that one in the back pocket, boss, boss said it didn't happen. Okay. I'll keep I'll keep that in the hip, but it's funny too because when you look at like bossy highlights, so many of them are five hole goals. Like after you know after I was after uh, Kelly and I had that conversation about it, now I always pay attention. Okay, when bossy scores, where is he scoring? And you look at a lot of the great bossy highlights; they're five hole goals. No, you're not wrong about that. And then you know what else? So I worked with Boss for my first year on television. I don't know if you know that, but I worked with him uh, first year at MSG. We had a show, uh, Hockey Night Live. Did we do it? Yeah, we did it, actually. We did it two years together. So, no, I worked with him for my first two years on TV, and you wouldn't believe how often somebody would be coming down the wing, and he's like, I just don't know why they don't shoot five-hole. And I'd be like, boss, guys aren't scoring five-hole anymore like your day. You know what I mean? And, he, and there was a few times that he would take offense <laughs> to it. But, but I'd say something like, boss, you were so elite that you would have certainly found the right way to score now. It's just not the same in 1980 as we are right now sitting here at the time. It would have been 2015. But, uh, no, he was a thrill to work with. I loved working with him. I've been so spoiled at MSG. I've 
worked with so many Hall of Famers and, yeah. and Boss, of course, one of them. Uh, an outstanding man, uh, and what a sublime talent he was. I mean, this I'm not telling anything that's any type of secret here, and certainly I'm no, I know we miss him so that. much. Um, Absolutely. Let, let me ask you about the about the Rangers right now. And they dropped one last night to the San Jose Sharks. I'm going to drill down on goalies here for a couple of seconds. But let me ask you about the Rangers. Uh, is it an optical illusion, or does this team just look flat out faster than maybe every other team in the NHL? A lot of jump. I think a lot of it is uh, how, how dominating they are east to west. And what I've noticed this year, outside of what we've seen in the past, is they're never stationary stagnant in the offensive zone uh there's a lot of reloading and coming downhill and it almost seems to me like they're playing off the rush in zone and that's why their power play has been so fascinating uh last night over five san jose figured out how to how to stifle them but five Mm -hmm. game glimpse and all things included it's been an outstanding start jeff i was really worried about the team because oftentimes when you have a really good team in the playoffs that's young the year before, slow starts happen because you feel like you have the league figured out a little bit. And I was worried about the start yeah. of the season. So for them to pull seven points out of a possible ten in the first five games, that you know you win your five-game segment. Managers talk about all the time you need six points out of every five-game segment to keep playoff pace, and they've done all of that. It's a it's a flat out fun team to watch as well, and from a goaltending point of view, uh, Igor Shosturkin, like Elliot and I were having this conversation know, last week or some, we're trying to figure out exactly how many elite goaltenders there are in the NHL. Like, there's a lot of really good goaltenders, but like elite franchise changing, franchise saving goaltenders, there's there's really only a handful. And the Rangers are blessed, and they've gone from Richter to Lundqvist. Uh, now to Shosturkin, as, as you well know, that is an embarrassment of riches in net, not unlike what you know, Nashville has done going from Pekka to UC Saros. How have you seen um, Igor Shosturkin so far this season? Let's, let's begin there. Okay, we'll wait to get <laughs> having some technical issues here. It seems we'll uh, we'll get Valley back. Um, it it is uh, it is interesting how when you consider how important that position is, and when you consider uh, how much improvement there's been at that position. Like go back and watch video from 30 years ago, and then watch goaltenders now. Uh, it's night and day. I've seen it profoundly in my life. How goaltending has changed. If you're an older school fan, you've seen how how the 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 one position in all of sports that's changed the most profoundly. It's uh, it's the position of uh, of goaltender. We've got we've got Steve back. Steve, but before we lost you there, I was asking about Igor Shosturkin. How do you see his game so far early this season? Well, yeah, no, I was catching what you were saying too about just uh, the history of the net and and who's elite now and. Look, I think the one thing that, that's really changed in the last three years is wait until you get a load of this list. Ryan Miller, Tuka Rask, Braden Holtby, Ben Bishop, Kerry Price, Henrik Lundqvist, Corey Crawford, Jimmy Howard, Devin Dubnik, Anton Kudobin, Roberto Luongo, Pecorine. Those guys are all 55, 60-game guys, and they were all true number ones. And there's a black hole in net in the NHL right now. Jeff, we, we used 119 goalies last year. 
That's a new record. Over the last 10 years, the average was 92. We're seeing more goals scored in the NHL last season since 95-96. The safe percentage now this season is at a 1993 low. So how many elite guys are there in the NHL right now? A handful, like Jacob Markstrom, uh, UC Soros, Shesterkin, Sorokin, Vasilevsky. It's a small list of elite number one, true number one guys. And that's just where we're at right now because all of these great goalies had really long careers and they're no longer with us. And, you know, I, I have this theory too. It goes back to the 0405 lockout. And one of my main staples, and I know that you and I have talked about this in the past, 200 games, development games in either Europe or the minors is what you need to have a long yeah. career in net. And do you know why all those guys got those games, Jeff? Because when you look at the guys like mm-hmm. Ryan Miller, um, where's my list? I had a list of guys, but there was in the 0405 lockout, we had a long list. Oh, Mark Andre Fleury, Ryan Miller, Cam Ward, Mike Smith, Brizgalov, Ray Emery. A lot of these guys all got those extra games that we weren't going to get because a lot of goalies could have been rushed to the NHL that year. And I spoke mm-hmm. uh, to Henrik about this recently because he ended up playing 236 games in Europe before he played his first game at Madison Square Garden. And he said, look, if it wasn't for the fact that I went in a playoff series and beat Kiprasov and Jose Theodore during the 0405 lockout when he was still in Fulanda, does he have the confidence to step right into the net and be a guy in the NHL right off the bat? And because he's got the 236 development games, be able to have a long career without any real hiccups. You know, so it's, I think it's fascinating. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we're seeing so many goals being scored right now in the NHL. Mm. You know, there's um, there's an evolution that we've seen goaltenders go through, even from 10 years ago, from five years ago. Uh, what's the one area of goaltending where you've seen the biggest evolution? Is it the skating? Is it like, what, what is it like? Where, where's the one thing that we can look at and say, look, that is different from 10 years ago. This is how goaltenders are evolving. Well, I mean, I could start with this, the technology. So uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the ice, as you know, in the, in the summer months, geez, two, three hours every day. And now the guys are coming in with the, uh, the one-piece skate, and they've got more flexion in the ankle, and they're able to get more bite on the blade. And the pads, when I carry my 0506 Ranger pad next to theirs, it's, uh, I'm carrying 10 more pounds, it seems. Um, that technology is different. It's pushing rebounds further away from the net, too. And, that, and that's why rebounds, you know, it's funny, Jeff, because, you know, between watching hockey and talking hockey, people are always talking about, oh, we've got to get to rebounds, we've got to get to rebounds. The, the average NHL game only has two rebounds aside. It's not like teams are getting 10 and 12 rebounds a night. You get two if you're lucky. And a lot of nights, there aren't any. Mm-hmm. But I think a part of that is also the tech and the pads because it's pushing the puck further away from the net. Uh, the sticks the guys are using. Now, here's something that I look at a lot with the, uh, with the analytics company that we have. Why are the one-timer goals to the right of the goaltender going in more frequently than to the left of the goalie? Well, he's carrying a stick in his hand, and his knee gets in the way when he tries to push across. So you've kind of got to get this object out of the way to be able to get your pads back down to the ice to make a butterfly on a Zibanejad one-timer. Well, nowadays, 
pick up a goalie stick. Now they're both three hundred bucks a piece, but Jeff, they're a feather. Mm-hmm. You can't even feel these things. And yeah. my wood stick, right from oh four oh five all the way through two thousand twelve. <laughs> you know, and no, it's a different animal. I'm carrying like a, a club, right? And so, like piece by piece, the goalies have been able to develop, um, uh, you know, a better armor. However, I just think that guys aren't coming in at the right pace right now, Jeff. Too many young guys are playing too soon. And we're, we're running through goalies, and five, six, seven goalies for each team are being used. It's too much. Um, look, even last night, I'm watching the Montreal-Arizona game, and Arizona outchances Montreal in this game. But Jake Allen, you know, he beats Connor Ingram, like, flat out. Um, Arizona had nine east-west plays in the game. Nine. Seven mm-hmm. low, low east-west, and that's where goals are being scored. Um, but I don't know if enough teams have true number ones in net right now. Um, part of my theory, at least, and this is what I believe I see, is that there's a lot of goalie coaching and drills set up so that they are manufactured for a save or at least they're very predictable so goalies can actually cheat the drills in practice because they want to be successful. But how many times are they actually tracking a pass? And do they understand what that means? Because if you're not tracking the pass, then you have no concept of patience. And if you don't understand patience, then you're out of position, at which point you're going to get scored on. So there is an element of mobility that you can work on without any shots and work on your edge work and your skating. And, yeah, you can be a terrific skater, Jeff, but if you're a goalie that doesn't understand how to track a pass and what that means, and and specifically what that means, it means that when the puck is coming across your body, as soon as it comes across, when I'm on the ice, I'm wearing a tracksuit, so I always refer to it as my zipper. As soon as the puck comes across my zipper, Mm -hmm. my head gets loaded over my leading knee, and I track, and I go. And I've got to get early eyes on the stick, and I've got to set my feet. But... I don't see enough of that when I'm looking at junior tape and I'm looking at collegiate goalies doing their workouts with their goalie coaches, especially when I'm in a scouting role. I just see guys blowing off passes and just cheating drills, at which point the game, when it begins, is foreign to them. This is fascinating, uh, as always, and unfortunately, we've got to book you at a better time slot on the show here, so we have more time, but we're up against the clock. Um, I always appreciate you making time. This is fa- I want to ask you a whole thing about skating and, um, and head and rebounds and all of it, but we'll, uh, we'll save that for another day. Uh, you're always the best. Steve, thanks so much, as always, for this, pal. Anytime for you, buddy. I listen for free, so I'm coming on whenever you need me. I talked to Maddie about that. We're good. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. And by the way, your your buddy Rafi's team right now, they're about to start in Kitchener. Big big tournament for the uh the U eleven triple A waxers. I'll so check in with one of my favorite humans. Love them. Love Raf. Miss yeah, you guys. Awesome. Uh you be good. Stephen Valakat. Uh follow him at Valley's View uh, on Twitter, the CEO of ClearSight Analytics. You want to get to know goaltenders, get to know Valley. We're back in hour two. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, welcome to Hour 2 of the program. Glad to have you aboard today. All right. Hockey Night in Canada. Saturday, October 22nd. A couple of games at 7 o'clock Eastern. The Maple Leafs facing off against the Winnipeg Jets. Chris Cuthbert, Craig Simpson, Kyle Bukoskis in that one. 
The Dallas Stars facing off against the Montreal Canadiens. John Bartlett, Gary Galley, Sean McKenzie, ringside. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes facing off against the Calgary Flames. That one at 10 o'clock Eastern. Harner Ryan Singh, Doctor of Laws now from Mount Royal. Greg Millen and Ryan Leslie with that one. Uh, Buffalo Sabres uh, facing off against the Vancouver Canucks. John Shorthouse, John Garrett, and Scott Oak ringside. That one also at 10 o'clock Eastern. So, tonight, three games on the go around the NHL. We'll see the Chicago Blackhawks facing off against the Detroit Red Wings. That one starts at 8.30 at 9 o'clock on Sports in Ontario. You can watch the Seattle Kraken and play the How Many Minutes Will Shane Wright Play game. Got his first point the other night on a Donato goal. Second assist. It counts. Uh, we'll see how much uh, Hackstall plays him tonight if he's in the lineup. They face off against the Colorado Avalanche. 9 o'clock Eastern. You can watch that one on Sportsnet Ontario. And also, the Florida Panthers are at home facing off against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And with that one, we'll kick off our conversation with George Richards from Florida Hockey Now. George, how are you today? Hey, what's going on with you? I'm doing all right. Um, let's start with Eric Stahl. Uh, it looks like it's a one-year $750,000 deal. For Eric yep. Stahl, he played four AHL games last season. You know, many thought that Eric Stahl was probably going to call it a career, was going to be done. Another player from that 2003 NHL draft, one of the best drafts of all time, was going to be taken off the board, but not so fast. Uh, he's poised to become a Florida Panthers. Your thought on this one? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the uh, you know, it's the Joe Thornton deal, right, with Florida. Um, only last year the Panthers, you know, weren't in the cap problem that they are this year and that's why it took a little bit of time but i think we all kind of knew that that you know when when a guy accepts a pto on the first day of free agency that that guy's probably going to be on the team that it's you know kind of a wink wink you've got you know kind of deal um and the only way that florida could have worked this deal out um was the pto because you know they started the season with 20 players they couldn't you know they couldn't start it have started with 21 so they knew they were going to have to wait on this deal and they did and uh now with Aaron Eckblad on LTIR they had a little bit of cap room that they could do this but again they're gonna have to worry about this down the road uh where do you think the Florida Panthers are at right now like this is a big game tonight. Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning. We all know about the rivalry, the state rivalry sure. between these two teams. Uh, what happened in the playoffs last season? Um, I know it's early in the season, but how much does this resonate in the local marketplace? How much does this resonate for the Panthers? Um, it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, because you know, again, the the the, the NBA team down the street. Um, is going head to head with this game with one of their big games. They're you know the Miami Heat is playing the Boston Celtics, the team they lost in the Eastern Conference Championships last year. And then you know just coinc- just coincidentally, the night that the Tampa Bay Lightning are here in South Florida. So um, you know that's the that's the thing. I mean the Heat the the, the, the Panthers just day after day get overshadowed by the Heat. Um, and you know again like you said it's October hockey. I think a couple of years ago this game probably would have meant more, but I think Florida right now is is looking uh, more like more like Tampa looks at the regular season. You got 82 games, see where you're at at the end, and, and go from there. So I don't think they're putting much weight on anything these days. Um, you don't want to have a long losing streak or anything of the sort. But as long as you're winning some games and 
you know, playing the way you want, I, I don't think they're going to be real concerned with uh, some of, some of the results. You know, George, in the uh, the first year of their existence, coming over uh, from St. John's, uh, I worked radio for the Toronto Marlies, uh, doing their bro- mm-hmm. broadcast alongside John Bartlett, and that was when Paul Maurice coached the team. So I got to spend a season um, talking to Paul, watching Paul on the bus, etc., and learned a ton. And you know, came away from that experience, you know, really impressed with uh, with with Paul Maurice and and what he's able to do and. You know how he how he views the game of of hockey. How have your experiences been with Paul Maurice? Because like I've always said, for anyone who's in media, if Paul Maurice is the coach of the local team, your job just yeah. got a little bit easier. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's just. I mean, he's not the he's not the quote grabber. You know, he's not the guy that's going to give you that that gotcha quote. But he's going to explain things so well. Uh, you know, you could tell this guy, you know, former was a lawyer or whatever. I mean, he's just very, you ask him one question about, you know, the defense and, and he's giving you, you know, exactly what they're looking for, exactly why they're looking for it. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of wish this guy was the first coach of the Panthers in 93 when, you know, the only ice we had down here was in our drinks, you know, it would have, he's, he's one of those kind of coaches where, yeah, I mean, his first job, you know, he went from Hartford to Carolina. He had to explain the game to a whole new, you know, and I think that that's kind of how, how he does it, you know, and even in Winnipeg where you don't have to explain it, that's how he was. He was very, well, this is why we do it. And this is how, you know, exactly why we do it i mean it, it, it's great for for a writer and even people you know we put his videos up online every comment is i never thought of that that's exactly wow that's what a what a terrific explanation yeah. paul maurice just gave us and and he does that every single day he's a really interesting guy and a real good coach and to your point a really good communicator i'll i'll be honest with you i always thought and Maybe this happens, you know, not unlike where we expect, you know, somewhere down the road, I think we're going to see Barry Trotz in a management position. Like I, th- sure. I still think he's going to coach again, but I think he'll end up in management. I've always felt that way about Paul Maurice. I've always felt that I know that there's a passion for coaching. I get it. He wants the, the wins and losses to be immediate, and he wants to be able to affect wins and losses. Like, that's... That's been him ever since, you know, he, he finished, you know, playing junior hockey. Like, that's always been Paul Maurice. I've always just wondered, knowing, you know, how he thinks and, you know, how he, what his views are on hockey and how he does have, you know, this perspective that you can see working as a manager. I've always wondered if somewhere down the road that would be an avenue he'd want to pursue. Listen, I know you've only had a short while with with, yeah. with Maurice there as the head coach, but do you kind of get a sense of where I'm going at there and where, yeah, where I'm going Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. Like, I can really I see Maurice, him as a manager. Yeah. I really can. I'm wondering, though, if they had that opportunity or has that opportunity been out there for him, right? I, I don't know. Because, you know, the last five, six years he's been in Winnipeg and Chevy's been there, so there really hasn't been any, you know, yeah. So he hasn't been in a situation where, you know, the, the general manager wasn't there while he was coaching. But um, so maybe the timing just hasn't. But, yeah, oh, absolutely. You can see it. I mean, the, the way he talks about um, prospects and, and what he sees out of practice, uh, you know, he, he definitely, you know, 
sees things in in a management type of style. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. But I also see that he loves being behind that bench. He loves being on the ice, directing traffic and, and directing practices. Um, and that probably supersedes the, you know, sitting in the press box with us every game. Sure. Uh, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong sitting with reporters. No, there's a, hey, we got good popcorn. Coffee, sitting, oh, good. I was going to say sitting sitting in popcorn row with uh, with the rest of us guys that have soup on hey, our ties. We got Cuban like, coffee okay, this year, so I can, we're uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you see how do you see the Florida net minding playing itself out here? Like this is. Now, I know that Spencer Knight has another uh, year before his, his big ticket sure. kicks in, but, you know, eventually this is going to be $14, $15 million worth of, worth of goaltenders. Uh, I know Bobrovsky gets a start tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, when you fast forward or look ahead, how do you see the goaltending here shaking out? I, I think that uh, Bob is still the guy, and I think that, you know, it, it, so far this season – he looks like he did last year. Uh, maybe his stats aren't as good, but, you know, Florida's defense certainly isn't as good. Um, so, you know, they really like what they're saying out of Sergey. I think his – just in talking to him, uh, now that we're back in the room and we get – you know, I get to talk to him a lot more, you can see why his teammates really dig him. He's very calm, cool, and collected. He doesn't throw blame around. Um, it would have been very easy mm-hmm. for him to, to start blaming some of the, the, the Florida's defense right now. It's just very thin, um, you know, and, and, and he's not. I mean, he's like, hey, we're all in this together. We're good, man. We're good. And, and I think that resonates with those guys that, that, that they don't have to feel the wrath of someone. But it, to, to your point, how's it going to play out? I don't know. I think that, you know, Spencer Knight definitely got rusty at the beginning of last season. And that was a tough way to really start his NHL career, his first full NHL season. Most of it was spent, spent on the yeah. bench. And when he did get in, he wasn't very good. And there's an, you know, an explanation for that. So around the all-star break, he went to Charlotte and got in a lot of games. Um, and that was great for him because he came back here and then Bob got hurt and, and he was able to pl- keep playing. And he was fantastic in the last two months of the season for the Panthers. So, and the Panthers know that. So, Bob starts tonight. Um, I would not have been surprised to see Spencer start tonight, but I think they're gonna they're gonna just make sure that Spencer doesn't get too much rust. And then as the season rolls on, we might see Spencer get three or four starts in a row if he, you know, if he, you know, if he, if he, if he deserves that. So the Islanders start then on Sunday, perhaps Chicago. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, next week, right. like the yeah, for sure um, Chicago because they, 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 for some. For sure, I, I would bet on Chicago for night. For sure, makes some sense. Um, Just because what does Bill Zito do with this defense right now? Oof. Of course, what does Bill Zito do about this blue line right now? What do you think, George? What are you thinking here? I, I don't know. I think they're just like a, you know. I think it's duct tape and bailing wire right now. Um, you, you know, different guys are going to play different minutes. Uh, you know, you're right now. Gustav Forsling is your number one guy. Um, you know, and then I think you're just going to mix and match. I think you're relying on Radko Gudis, uh, a veteran guy who, um, you know, doesn't mind logging some minutes when he has to. Uh, I don't think you want to lean on him that much to do that. Um, but you've got some young guys that you're going to find out about. You've got Lucas Carlson. You've got uh, uh, Matt Kierstead, a guy that you signed as a free agent out of North Dakota, um, who gets a one-way deal next year. Well, you know, instead of playing in Charlotte, we're going to find out what he can do here in Florida. Um, and, you know, Michael Delzato's down in Charlotte. He could come up. 
Um, so, you know, there yep. are some options there, but not really. I mean, so, you know, nobody is the, – the Panthers don't have an Aaron Ekblad to, to replace Aaron Ekblad. So, until then, you know, until you find a clone of him, you know, you're just going to deal with what you got. Uh, all of a sudden, the Josh Mahura claim becomes that much more important, right? Sure. For the uh, for the Absolutely. for the Florida Panthers, it, it really it really does. Um, uh, uh, talk to me about the forwards here, and you know, Elliot and I on our podcast a while ago, we were talking about the Cats, and you know, Elliot kind of went out of his way to say, look, if if the Cats are because we all know, like you lose Huberdeau, that's huge. You lose uh, Mackenzie Weger, that's big. You pick up Matthew Kachuk, of course, like he's a hundred point player for me. He's one of the uh, one one of the best wingers in the game. But there was a suspicion and a feeling that the Florida Panthers were going to take a step back this season. It's going to be like a bunny hop, right? Like you take two steps forward, sure. one step back, and jump forward a couple more when, when, the, when the cap goes up and you have more room. Um, when you look at the forwards, how crucial is it, you know, if this team is going to you know, stay afloat here now with all the injuries, for Anton Lundell to really take that mm. next step in his career? Boy, I tell you, he's one. He's one of those players that really stands out. First round draft pick in 2020, Bill Zito's first draft, the player that he drafted, um, and and just you saw him last year. Uh, especially, I noticed this on on the uh, the penalty kill when he and Barkov are together. It's like watching synchronized swimming. Those two are just the same guy. I mean, it. it you know, it looks like they rehearse when they go out on the penalty kill. It's so perfect. Um, and he is. He's a, he's a mini Barkov. He's going to, you know, he was drafted to be the, four, you know, the future second number two center. Uh, that's Sam Bennett right mm-hmm. now. Um, and, and he's got a whole new line, you know, uh, Anton Lundell does. And I think last year he really stepped up. I mean, until he got hurt, he was a legitimate dark horse candidate for, for the Calder. Um, and he got hurt, I believe, in yep. March and missed a month. And, and you know, he, he's just terrific. I mean, he's a terrific defensive player. He can score. Um, he's got terrific hands. He's a very smart hockey player. Um, the Panthers absolutely love having him. Um, you know, he hasn't yeah. put up Barkov's kind of numbers yet, and then he may never do that. I mean, Barkov is an elite center in the NHL. But I tell you what, Anton Lindell is going to be a very good number two for years to come. Uh, let, let, let me close on this one here. When we look at the uh, the Florida Panthers, I mean, last year was, you know, Bill Zito was burn the boats. This is our year. Burn the bridges. Sure. This is our year. There's there's no going yep. back. It was, you know, prospect picks, like the the whole deal. And they got through the Washington Capitals, and we all know what happens happened when they ran into the Tampa Bay Lightning. What's the plan this season if you're Bill Zito? Uh, I can't help but thinking, you know, we have a really good team here. We have some elite players, and a lot of is injured. You mentioned Ekblad is injured as well. When the team is healthy, this is still an excellent team in the league. Is this all about, you know, just surviving the regular season and then seeing what this team can do in the playoffs? I mean, last year was all about add, add, yeah. add, add, add. What's the vibe out of management this time around? I, I absolutely think that's exactly what it is. I think you look at it like Tampa Bay does, um, you know, you know, are we going to be one of the top three teams? Fine. Just tell us where we're going to be for round one. We don't care if we're the first seed or the third. Um, you know, you don't want to be yeah. fighting for that wild card um, because then there's so many variables with, you know, who's playing where in the Metro and that kind of thing. But as long as you make in the top three, and, and listen, I think the Panthers got a lot of criticism last year. 
Um, a lot of people, well, you don't want to win the president's trophy. And I agree with that. But that was never – they never aimed for that. It just happened to fall into their lap. I mean, you, you want to win. Every, you know, if you're in Chicago, you might as well win. So that that's kind of what they did. They didn't set that as a goal or anything like that. I don't think anybody does. Um, but, you know, if they happen to win the president's trophy this year, it, great. But it's not because they aimed for it. So I, And I don't think they're going to. I, it, I, I think they're just looking at this as an 82-game, let's get our game together for the playoffs, let's see what we can do. And I think that's one reason why Paul Maurice is here um, is because he can, you know, if the team loses three games in a row, he's not going to get rattled by, oh, I'm really worried about this team. He knows what the, he knows what the end game is. He knows what they're working toward. Um, and everything should yep. be fine. Uh, it's always yeah. good catching up. George, thanks as always for stopping yeah. by, my friend. Enjoy the game tonight. It's always good when these two teams mix, so uh, we'll be tuned in for sure. Tampa and Florida tonight. My guest has been George Richards from Florida Hockey Now. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. All right. Good talking to you. Be good. George Richards from uh, Florida Hockey Now. From the Florida Panthers, we turn our attention to the San Jose Sharks, who finally got their first win of the season it was spectacular fashion. It was vintage Eric Carlson. Like when you close your eyes and you imagine Eric Carlson, it's plays like that that you want to uh, think of. Corey Massasak, our friend from The Athletic, he covers the San Jose Sharks, and Corey joins me now. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, good. Thanks so much for, uh, for taking some time today. How much of a, like that was a piano off the back of everybody yesterday, because we were looking at, at San Jose and saying, okay, well, we knew Arizona was going to be in for Bedard. We knew Chicago was up there and how they were going to be in for Bedard. We weren't too sure if San Jose was going to be one of those teams, but after five games, we were putting them in that race. How huge was that win last night? Yeah, I think for the for the players and the coaches especially. I mean, they were you're right. It I certainly have noticed it more this year than even I guess last year. Um, you know, there it seems like there's a more vocal portion of the fan base that's ready for for that sort of thing. Like they, you know, I, I see Connor Bedard's name in my in my Twitter mentions more than I do, you know, Eric Carlson or Timo Meyer or any so um, and then obviously the start right. of the season sort of has, has compounded that. I, I uh, look the the Sharks are they've made it very clear for you know multiple seasons now that they're not going to do what Arizona and Chicago have done. That said, the players may play them into that, and that's kind of what has happened so far. I mean, it, it has been you know a lot of not not good hockey, you know, a lot of issues. You know, David Quinn has used the term fragile multiple times already, and. So, yeah, last night was definitely a kind of looked like it was heading back in the same direction. Like the second period was like, here we go again. And then they had you know maybe their best period of the season. And then Eric Carlson did one Eric Carlson thing. And suddenly everything looks a little bit better today. <laughs> I like that. He did an Eric Carlson thing because that's like, like you're, you're, you're so right. Like I don't expect to see 82 great games out of Carlson the way we used to. But every now and then, you know, we're probably going to get a glimpse, Corey, of like the greatness that that used to be there from Eric Carlson. How was uh, how 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 do you think his game's been so far this season? I know we're only six in, but how's his game resonated with you so far? Yeah, I think he's had it's you know he is the lightning rod there. Like it is, I've told other people that like I feel like the fan base is pretty even healed about most things except for that guy. He turns them into like you know northeast 
hockey fans, basically, like they go crazy about it. And, it, and I get it. Like it's the contract, it's yeah. the injuries, it's all, it's it's everything. So he, and then he just also just plays a style that some people are just always going to sort of, you know, project their feelings about negatively. Uh, so I I think he has been, you know, I would say of the big the big four guys that they have that they really really need to carry them. He's probably been the best of the four. Um, he, but he has also had moments where, um, you know, like that Chicago game was a pretty good example. Like he created their first two goals, their only two goals. And then he was also responsible for a couple of the ones from the other end too. So, you know, I think they're, this is, this team is going to be starved for offense all year. And it's, there are going to be nights where it's going to be, is he going to create enough for them to, to score enough or not? And then, um, you know, just sort of hanging on whenever the other guys are on the ice. You know, one of the things, and with Corey Massasek here, who covers the San Jose Sharks for the Athletic, one of the things that I think we're going to be following all season long is the situation with Timo Meyer and the next contract. Now, for those that uh, that don't follow the San Jose Sharks closely, his AAV, uh, his cap hit is $6 million, but his qualifying offer, so just to keep him and keep his rights, San Jose has to qualify him at $10 million. Has there been any indication what this one is going to look like? What is this negotiation going to be like? What's the relationship between uh, the player and a new general manager with this organization? How do you see the Timo Meyer situation playing itself out? And right now he's, you know, this season isn't exactly helping his own cause. Um, you know, last year he's a, he's a you know, point of game guy. We're speculating he should have you know, 40 goals every year. He's got two points after six games. How do you see the Meyer situation playing here? Yeah, I think, you know, having the new GM and the new coach and the whole, just the new regime has really sort of thrown a wrinkle in it. Like, I think I, you know, just going back to last year when they had Tomas Hurdle was in kind of a similar situation that like, you know, are they going to keep him long-term or not? And at that time I thought, you know, it was either both or neither, right? Like if you're, if you, if you, if you're all in on one, you better be all in on the other too, just because it, I'm not really sure where that leaves them over yeah. the next few years if they don't have both of them or, and we, it would, we wouldn't definitely know where it was going to leave them if they didn't have either of them. So, uh, you know, uh, Mike Rear and uh, the agent Claude Lemieux have both sort of said, you know, they're not in any rush. They, they kind of want to get to know each other. Like, you know, Timo wants to get to know the, the coaching staff and the GM and, so you know, there's no rush to do anything right now. But like you said, that that's it's just a different. You know, if 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 they had to qualify him at six and a half or seven million dollars, and they were looking at just okay, here's we could do a two year deal or a six year deal, like a just kind of a normal negotiation. I think it would be a lot different than, man, this you know, mm-hmm. it's either a one year deal for ten million bucks, and then he goes to market, or it's, you know, can you negotiate him down below ten per year? Or does he just feel that, you know, given that all the contracts that have been signed over the last couple of off seasons, that maybe, maybe he's just going to be worth 10 million plus. Um, so, yeah. And then obviously they're, you know, the sharks can say they want to keep him, but then they also have to worry about how squeezed they are against the cap. Uh, now, if the cap does start going up, that'll help them a little bit, but it's just a matter of, they can probably keep him if they really, really want to. And he really, really wants to stay, but it's just a matter of whether or not both of those things are going to be true or not. You know, it's always, you know, as a uh, as a manager and certainly, you know, owners will bring this up on a consistent basis. It's it's a really tough one to stomach when you're you have salary cap issues because you're right up against the cap 
and there's no playoff revenue. Like, there's some big tickets here. You know, you mentioned Tomas Hurdle. He re-upped with the team last year. That's an $8 million deal. Logan Couture is in uh, at $8 million as well. The Carlson deal is at 11.5. Vlasic's in at 7. And then, you know, Kevin, someone like Kevin LeBanc, who's at 4.7, he scratched last night uh, against the New York Rangers. Like, there are big commitments here for money. And right now, you know, you're the, uh, you're the owner of the, uh, of the San Jose Sharks. You know, you're not seeing a return right now on any of this. Yeah, I think that's, I, w- I guess I would say in, in this scenario, they are probably, you know, they are probably pretty lucky to have an owner who doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's particularly interested in whether or not he loses $5 million this year or $10 million this year, or like he's, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a very interesting character. I've, I've, I've been trying to learn more about him this year to, to working on a story on him and, and just like, you know, he wants to win and he, and it's a weird, like when the team was winning, he's the best owner in sports. Everybody loved him. And now when they're not winning fans mm-hmm. wish he would just be okay with, with, you know, sort of rebooting and starting over. And that's just not sort of in his nature. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think they're in a scenario here where like he doesn't, they don't want to just not try to win on purpose, but maybe the roster is leading them in that direction. But at the same time, like it's like said before, like if you don't have Timo Meyer over the next few years, it's it's going to make it incredibly hard for them to turn this around without a full kind of turn to the bottom, you know, for a couple of for, you know, for multiple years. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just a matter of where, and you know, and look, at, there's, you know, whenever I think whenever the job was open, the GM job was open, I somebody had said, you know, one of the best owners in the league, one of the worst cap friendly pages. And that's that's sort of uh, you know that that's sort of what the job that Mike true. Mike Greer has inherited here, right? Like it's you know they there's there's some very significant pros to the job, and there was there were some cons too. So just a matter of how much patience everybody is going to have to sort of sort this out, because there are certain there are contracts on there that might not be able to you might not be able to move them or get out of them for three to four years. Yeah. Let me uh, let me close on this one because I think we're all curious to see you know what sort of management style he has, considering he comes from uh, essentially a uh, a family and a long line of you know managers and decision makers and you know as we like to say people who hold the pen. Um, what are your initial thoughts now of, of of Mike Rear as a new GM of this team? I think he. I think he's already shown that he's going to be pretty deliberate and patient with how things go. He, like he was thrust into just an impossible situation, right? I mean, beyond beyond what anybody thinks oh, about yeah. their salary cap situation. I mean, to have the you know the the Brian Marshman tragedy on literally your first day on the job or second day on the job, which however you want to frame it, like, and then have the draft two days later, and then free agency five days after that, which whatever. It's just the first two weeks were just insane. So I still think though that like just from what everybody said about him that, that has known him coming kind of coming up through the ranks here that, you know, that he's super smart and super deliberate and has, you know, kind of has a plan and doesn't want to necessarily waver from that. Like, I think that's maybe that's already borne out here that like, look, they're, they started 0 five. They can't score a goal. And, you know, their two best prospects. They're, they might be ready. They're, they're, they're close. And, and so in a different scenario where they were being, you know, if this was a, Oh my God, we have to win situation. Those two guys would be on the team, and if they weren't on the team on opening night, they might be here now just because they, again, they they just they can't score. 
and that's what those two guys, that's what William Necklin and Tomas Bortolo are probably going to help them do someday. So I think the fact that they have remained patient through this and they're not trying to make wholesale changes, they're not bringing up the top prospect to try to just, you know, make them the saviors or whatever. I think it's that he's already shown that right. this is, you know, there was, there was so much sort of discourse before, like during last season about where is the direction of this franchise going. And I think just hiring him and having him be sort of a steady hand who is not going to, you know, talk about how we have to do this or we have to do that. Like, I just, I just think that him being steady and patient is going to sort of help them maybe get through the next couple of years. Don't disagree. Uh, this has been great, Corey. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much, as always, for stopping by to share your expertise. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Uh, Corey Massasak covers the San Jose Sharks for The Athletic. Uh, they pick up their first win last night, uh, beat the Rangers in overtime, uh, an assist for Timo Meyer, who we just spoke about, but some really nice vintage Carlson play. Uh, from Eric Carlson. It's nice to see that every now and then, just to remind you that he still has that in his bag of tricks. Okay, listen, it was a really busy week uh, from around the NHL. It's going to be a really busy Saturday as well uh, uh, on Hockey Night in Canada. Some great games on the board uh, for you to have a watch over. Let me call up this really quickly here. we got the Leafs and the Jets at 7 o'clock Eastern. Uh, the Stars and the Habs at the same time. Carolina Hurricanes facing off against the Calgary Flames and the uh, maybe the hottest team in, I don't want to say the league, but maybe uh, maybe the hottest team in the league in the Buffalo Sabres facing off against the Vancouver Canucks, who are the opposite of the hottest team in the NHL. Uh, they're back home. Be curious to see what the crowd does with them as, as they return uh, without a win, comma, still. From their road trip. Uh, Going to come back. It was a really busy week around the NHL. Going to get you caught up on what you may have missed. A little weekend review with our man, Matty Marchese. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet Now, and Sportsnet 360. Back in a moment. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Um, before we get to the weekend review, I want to thank uh, everybody involved with the Stovall Spirit OJHL team. If you're watching on 360 or Sportsnet now, you can see me wearing the uh, Stovall Spirit hoodie. Maybe we'll do hoodie Fridays here uh, around the program here. Uh, thanks to the Stovall Spirit for allowing uh, me and my family on the ice yesterday. Uh, to drop the puck between the Stoville Spirit and the Oakville Blades. Big win for Stoville, 5-3. Well done. Um, Kenny Burroughs is the general manager there, and Kenny approached me about a month ago and asked me if I wanted to do it, and he said, uh, we'll donate proceeds from the 50-50 draw to your uh, charity of choice. Uh, and mine is a group called Team Dog Rescue. You can uh, visit them online, Team Dog Rescue ca. They're a, a foster-based charity. Um, dedicated to finding uh, finding dogs, uh, their forever homes, uh, all run by volunteers um, through the GTA and surrounding areas as well. They rescue uh, dogs from um, high kill shelters and try to find them forever homes. Uh, we've fostered with them. My family has. Uh, we've also adopted dogs from Team Dog Rescue. 
Um, have a look if you're interested. If you've never had a rescue dog, it is one of the most rewarding things you can do. My family's done it a number of times, and thanks to the Stovall Spirit for letting not just me um, on the ice yesterday drop the puck, but also my kids. So that was a real great dad moment, real great dad thrill. Uh, my daughter, Joe, my two boys, TJ and Brody, that was uh, a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Uh, to everyone at the Stouffville Spirits. Uh, with that, we'll bring on Matt Marchese, our producer, for the week in review. How are you, Maddie? I'm good. I'm good. And I saw the picture of you and your family, so that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty cool. You with the Is that kids. Nice? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I got there. I got there, and Kenny Burrows like, well, do the, uh, do the kids want to go on too? I'm like, you know, four people dropping pucks. He's like, sure, why not? Yeah, let's so, do yeah, it. That was uh, that was real a dad moment. I know you're a new dad. Don't worry, you're gonna get plenty of these moments in your life. Yeah, my, I'm sure my daughter's watching me right now. You know, with with those wide eyes not for a, not, she'll not, she'll not, be two not, months not, not, tomorrow, not Jeff. She'll be two months tomorrow. It's awesome. Yeah, it's so fantastic. It's, it's, it's pretty the good. It's the most. It's the most tired. It's the most tired and most happy you will ever be in your life. Yeah, I, now, I hear that. What uh, What do we got for the week in review? What's uh, What grabbed your attention? Speaking of tired, um, but they're not happy. The Vancouver Canucks fall to o three and two, and they're the only winless team left. And you know, I'm watching the game last night, and specifically the overtime. And you just like, especially at the beginning, you think that that. Pedersen, he has a great opening shift. You think he's going to end it, and then he doesn't. And then at that moment, I'm just like, yep, we're pretty much done here. They're going to lose. And then uh, Kaprizov ends it in overtime and just a weird kind of play. Demko is out of position. And then Kaprizov basically, it's like a practice shot. Yeah, it's a nightmare. (laughs) Looks like tight hockey in front of the net. Um, So they start 0-3-2. and It doesn't get any easier tomorrow against the Sabres. I mean, I don't know, Jeff. Where where are you at with the Canucks I, right now? Because I don't think it's all that bad. I just it, it's 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 unfortunate and some bad bounces. The blue line needs help and they need better goaltending, right? Like I don't think this is the real Thatcher Demko. I don't think anybody does. Uh, but what's the one thing that Jim Rutherford talked about? You know, last year is that a lot of the mistakes were covered up by Thatcher Demko, who's one of the best goalies in the world. Well, they haven't had that so far this season. We know the blue line needs help. As I was mentioning off the top of the show with Elliot, you know, prices for defensemen right now have to be sky high. Like, what were we talking about with Wish yesterday? Come trade deadline, who's going to give up a first-round pick to get a second-pairing defenseman? Because that's the cost. And I can only imagine right now with so many teams looking for a defenseman. And listen, I know that Arizona's sitting there with Jacob Chikrin. I would also make the argument they're looking at you know, maybe something with Shane Goss' bear, who's on the expiring contract. But no one's coming in cheap. There's You're not going to steal anybody here. Uh, and I know that Jim Rutherford, certainly, I mean, this is Patrick Alvin's team as a general manager, but we all understand the influence that Rutherford has here. You know, his reputation is, I can trade my way out of problems here because he's done it before. You know, you can make the argument he traded his way to a, uh, to a Stanley Cup in 2006, the way he complimented that Carolina Hurricanes team and surrounded it with players that ended up you know, helping, whether it was Wade, whether it was, you know, like Glenn Wesley, like helping the Carolina Hurricanes win the Stanley Cup. It's going to be really expensive if they want to try to trade their way out of this one. I'll tell you, I looked at the, um, Elliot and I talked about this on the podcast last night. You look at the faces of the Vancouver Canucks players after that game. And there's like, you know, Maddie, there's disappointment. And then there's that look that you're just sort of staring off into the distance. Like, <laughs> how did this happen again? <laughs> We did it again. We try, try to do it here for anyone watching on 360. Like, <laughs> that's the one. I can see it. That's the look. Again. I don't know. How, 
how did that happen? I take no delight in this. You know, I know like you have to be, I was saying this on the podcast, you have to be the most fervent anti-Vancouver Canucks person to take delight in this. And they exist. Trust me, there are plenty of people that really delight in the misery of the Vancouver Canucks. I don't think anybody delights more than in the misery of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But there are plenty of people that delight in the misery of the Vancouver Canucks. I'm not one of them. I can't do this. I can't do this for any team. I feel horrible for those players. I feel horrible for Bruce. I feel horrible for what this team is going through right now. Um, I think you bring up a really good point, man. This is the wrong team to face tomorrow. The Buffalo Sabres, who just went and just mowed through Alberta, right? Knock off the Oilers last night. Knock off the Calgary Flames. The Buffalo Sabres look good early. I don't know that this thing lasts. All I know is we're getting great goaltending from Eric Comrie. Uh, Alex Tuck is on another level right now. Um, he's been an absolute treat for them. Rasmus Dahlin uh, is having a, a, a breakout season. We started to see the beginnings of that last year with Rasmus Dahlin. Right now, he's just flat out one of the def best defensemen in the NHL. I don't know anyone who had Rasmus Dahlin on there i think he can win the norris this year card at the beginning of the season but honestly matt if you make a list like a week and a half into the season okay who's been the best defenseman rasmus dalene should be up around the top of every single person's ballot that's how good the buffalo sabers are right now and they're marching into vancouver tomorrow yeah technical operator for Cal i feel bad for for, for vancouver, vancouver really feel bad technical operator lance kennedy says he had rasmus dalene on his ballot so lance is a liar um, oh, go stop, <laughs> stop, Lance. He's, la he's laughing behind the glass. Um, no, yes. I definitely didn't. But four goals in four games is pretty good, uh, especially for a defenseman. Um, what if Rasmus Dahlin wins the Cy Young this year? He's got four goals and uh, one or two assists. <laughs> uh, he could he could be in uh, very rare territory for a defenseman. Um, let's move on to Gabriel Landeskog. And we yep. knew he was going to miss some time, but I don't think we thought it was going to be this much. And after arthroscopic knee surgery, he will miss 12 weeks. And, and you mentioned it on the show earlier this week. And it's like, okay, let's start the Patrick Kane to Colorado rumors. Let's get that going. But I mean, it is early and you made mention of it as well. You don't think Patrick Kane's in any sort of rush. I don't think he's in any sort of rush either, but it does, it does make it very interesting because as we know, and throughout uh, his tenure as the GM, and I know he's not the GM anymore. He's the president of hockey ops, but Joe Sackick, much like Brad Treliving, and much like um, uh, Chris Drury, they're in every conversation when it comes to a star. Anybody that comes available, Don those Wood guys Don are there. Waddell. Don, Don Waddell as well. well. So, Don Waddell, Carolina. Carolina. So, so the question becomes, and I know that Colorado, I know that they have the space. I know everybody wants to maybe try and link Patrick Kane. But my bigger question with the Colorado Avalanche with this cap space is, and I know they just went out and they, they got Alexander Gorgiev, but Jeff, they have a goaltending problem and I don't care who wants to say they don't, they have a goaltending problem. I'm certainly not sold. Already and they saying that. Yes. I said that when, before the season started, that was one of the biggest questions I had going into this year was, is Colorado going to be able to stay sustain the way that they play? Because they do play a little bit of a run and gun because their defense is, is good. It's very good. But mm -hmm. I'm not sold that the goaltending is going to be there when it really matters in the playoffs. And I have a sneaky suspicion that they feel the, that 
come trade deadline. I know it's only October, but I think that Colorado is going to be looking for a goalie and not looking for a forward. I'm not ready to say that they have a goaltending problem at all. And, and here's why. The one thing about Georgiev that people have reminded me is that he plays better the more that he plays. And it's still early in the season. And the thing about playing with the Rangers, certainly behind someone like Igor Shosturkin, is he would never get like a long three-week run or even a two-week run. Hey, it's your ball. Run with it. I don't know that I've seen enough out of Georgiev to say that they have a goaltending issue. Like I still want to see a longer run with Georgiev until I decide whether they have a, a significant goaltending issue. But here's the interesting thing about Colorado as well. And we saw this last year with, uh, with Darcy Kemper. What's a goaltending issue? Like a goaltending issue to one team might not be a goaltending issue to another team. Like if True. you're a team and we'll use the Colorado example, if you're a team that doesn't need great goaltending in order to survive and thrive, do you really have a goaltending issue if your goalie is good enough to get you the Stanley Cup. Like at times we've seen Darcy Kemper in his career absolutely stand on his head. We have. But I don't think anyone would ever accuse Darcy Kemper of standing on his head last year en route to a Stanley Cup. Now, a lot of it was the stick in the eye. We understand that and getting the vision back and we get all of it. But the Avalanche have demonstrated they can win the Cup without having Vesna type net mining. You can make the argument too that it's always not necessarily the teams that have the best goaltenders that end up winning the Stanley Cup. So I'm not ready yet to say, yeah, there's a goaltending issue here. Like, look, it's always better when you have like a 924 save percentage goalie. That makes life a whole lot easier. I just don't think the Colorado the, the Colorado needs it. And to the point about Gabriel Landeskog, like, Matty, you've known me long enough. Who's my favorite player in the NHL right now and has been for the last, I don't know, however many years? It's that guy. Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah, it's that guy. It's Gabriel Landeskog. And Landeskog is going to heal up and he's going to come back and he'll be ready. And you watch in the playoffs once again, you know, he'll be, if they get all the way to the final one more time and they have the dogs to do it and the horses to get there, don't be surprised if Landeskog's in consideration for the Conn Smythe, as he should always be, because that's just a type of. I, I have, just like I don't have any, any, any um, concerns about the goaltending, even though this is a big surgery, I don't have concerns about Landeskog. I really don't. Nor should you. Uh, by the way, the uh, through four games, the Colorado Avalanche team save percentage is 874. Um, not good. And their goals against average is 349. Also, not good. But again, it's only four games. We will see what happens. Okay. Um, there's Playing two Seattle tonight. Playing yeah. Seattle tonight. Let's see. They got the, the, the Kraken tonight. They are the, they are the, uh, the cure that ails that, that they are the, um, the team that cures all <laughs> at this moment. Um, yeah. All right. Two things from Montreal. One, Yuri uh, Savkovsky. What a goal last night. I know it's yeah, not. I know that, that one's going to really change. Was. It's going to change in five years to I ripped it right over the guy's shoulder up right up under the bar instead of under his glove. It's going to change over time. Uh, somebody will direct his children to YouTube to find that that didn't actually happen. But here we go. <laughs> and then the taunt afterwards was fantastic. All timer. Great. That's an all timer right at Josh Brown. So Brown takes a run at him. Uh, he scores the goal, him and Arbor Jack guy on the bench laughing at Josh Brown. Yeah. After all of it, like, like uh, Montreal, by the way, like we all know there's going to be some long nights in Montreal, but I love watching the Habs because there are those moments that you get with Arbor Jack guy. And we saw it last night with Zach Cassian. 
you see the emotion of Yuri Slavkovsky after he scores that goal and Tons Josh Brown, who just had a just had a rip at him. Uh, you see that Pavel Datsuk like move oh, from Nick Suzuki. Don't so good. Forget, as much as this guy is is you know going to be in the Selkie conversation one of these days, you know modeling the game after Patrice Bergeron, etc. That guy is an elite talent. We saw like, how many times have you seen gorgeous saucer passes between him and Cole Caulfield? Mm-hmm. There's a like you're starting to already see what this Montreal team is going to look like eventually under this head coach. They're going to be in every game. Like that's the thing we're seeing with Montreal, kind of like this in Philadelphia. Like Tortorella, like a Tortorella team is gonna work hard. Ditto for Marty Saint Louis. Like Montreal is gonna be in more games than they're not. And again, this is a team that's gonna have some long nights, and it's a team that is gonna have some losing streaks. But what they're building and how they're building it, it's it's really impressive. And that was just a flat out fun. I get you gotta call it a beating to watch now. Elliot has a theory about this one, that that was completely predictive because Arizona had the one extra day in Montreal. And you know what an extra day in Montreal can do to you, shall, right? Shall I name the establishment or shall we leave that one uh, for another day? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, all, we, we, uh, we all know what the establishment is. Okay. Oh, by the way, and I should, uh, I, should, uh, I should really check on this, but the last time I did check... Uh, it seemed as if it was going to happen. I think Philip Machar is going to play tonight for Kitchener. Oh, okay. He got Sudbury. his visa cleared and everything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check. Well, it's a double IHF transfer. They had to oh. figure. They had to, they had to do. And he, and he couldn't get like there was a, there was some thought about well, how come he just doesn't stay with Laval while the transfer gets worked on? It doesn't work that way. You have to be assigned to your junior team, then get the double IHF transfer in order for that to play itself out. And that's why it, that's why he didn't play the Sunday against Flint when everyone said, oh, he just got sent down. He's gonna play. Uh, not so fast. Anyway, I believe. Last time I checked, he was supposed to play tonight for Kitchener. Okay, anyway, well, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, by the way, um, two things on on yeah. uh, on Arbor Jackai. First of all, he fed Zach Cassian his <laughs> lunch last night. Like he fed him uh, his did, hang on, lunch. Did, did, hang on, let me ask. Let me ask you something. Did yes. you think it was going to go that way? No. When the fight started? No. No, I was oh, like, God. I'm watching. I'm going. He's going to get killed. And then he just turned things around. And that was an that was an old school beatdown. And by the way, he has. Now, yeah. the best nickname in hockey. Oh, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. It's the greatest nickname ever. It's yeah. better than Eric Hall. Yeah, you want to let people, you want to, you want to, you want to, oh, Hall of Famer. You want to let people know why his nickname is Wi-Fi? I don't even, I'm guessing it's because of the way his last name is spelled. And that's probably like a generic password to get onto a Wi-Fi. That has Correct. to be. Correct. Yeah. No, it looks like it's, it, it looks like a Wi-Fi password. It's great. That's why all the guys call him Wi-Fi. It's great. He's. Honestly, he's beca- he's already become a cult hero in Montreal. They they love. Did you hear them? Like, did you like the like the way that they got up for him after that fight? Yeah, like the whole place. Like Suzuki shines last night. Slavkovsky shines last night. And what's the crowd going crazy for? Arbor Jack guy. People don't like fighting. Like you want you want to talk. You want to talk <laughs> about making an impression. <laughs> Getting yourself established. That works. Man, Jack Guy's done it. Oh, uh, we got we got two minutes here according to yeah. What do you got? All right, one more. And it is only one Five. team remains undefeated. The St. Louis Blues are the only undefeated team. They and they've two only games. Put, I know, but I'm just saying last night Calgary <laughs> lost. Last night Dallas lost. And last night Carolina lost. And Philadelphia lost on Wednesday night. Yeah. I still don't understand how the Blues okay, have played so, two games and Nashville's played six. Somebody make this make sense. 
Well, first of all, Nashville played their first two in Prague. So I know. Ditto for the San Jose Sharks. So Nashville started the season two games earlier than everybody. So uh, let's add that to the mix. Um, when you look at the St. Louis Blues, they have uh, the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow. Okay, that's a 4 o'clock Eastern start. So that one's an early one. And then you look at next week. Next week, it's the dreaded, and it's great if you're playing fantasy, it's the four-game week. Most teams play three a week. Some teams only have two. And always check out who's got the four gamers, and that's St. Louis next week because they try to catch up games. They have games against Winnipeg, Edmonton, Nashville, and the Montreal Canadiens. I think we'll have a better snapshot of what the St. Louis Blues team is all about eh, in a week's time. Uh, thank you, Manny Marchese, for the uh, the Friday weekend review. Thanks to Corey Massasak from The Athletic for stopping by. Covers the San Jose Sharks. George Richards covers the Florida Panthers. He joined us from Florida Hockey Now tonight. The Florida Panthers facing off against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Steve Valaket. we got to book more time for Valley. Rangers analyst and CEO of ClearSight Analytics. And Elliot Friedman bored us for about half an hour off the top. Thanks to Jen Rolnick for the, all the uh, great camera work. Thanks to Lance Kennedy for the keyboards and getting rid of that echo in my ears. Lance, mwah, love you. And Matt Marchese, our producer. Jeff Merrick signing off. Enjoy the weekend's worth of hockey. We're back here Monday, noon Eastern.